0: A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking mentally exhausted me. But if you're looking to expand your basically a frame of reference, if you're looking to understand, you know, um, the Big Bang to black holes to basically the fabric that underlies the universe and our reality, this is a great book for that. And it's. It's really mind taxing if you read it, you know, I, I went in depth with this, I have lots of notes on it, and uh, it's very taxing, you know, I'm not a physicist or anything like that, but this book really went in depth, I mean, it's, it's such a great book, it's not super long, you know, it's under uh, 150 pages, but, no, it's closer to 200 pages, but man, it's powerful. So. Well, basically just start from the beginning, you know, so he lays out this, this book basically goes, um, basically the history of physics, the history of how we understand the universe, how we understand the, uh, the structures, the particles that make up what we live in, you know, what you call the ground, what you call time, what you call space, what you think you see, all these different things have an underlying framework of physics. And that's really, that's really physics job. And, uh, you know, at the end of this book, he kind of talks about this universal theory, like the, the whole point of physics is to reach this one um, unifying theory that explains the universe. And right now we don't have this because there's kind of this, um, this dichotomy between quantum physics and uh, classical physics, which is basically um, like the theory of gravity versus quantum theory. And... They haven't been able to unify these properly. And and I, people are working to do this. And I really think in, in my lifetime, hopefully they'll be able to figure this out. I mean, this has been a question that's gone all the way back to the great philosophers like Aristotle and Galileo. And we're going to, uh, right off the bat, you know, a theory is basically a model that accurate, accurately explains large groups of observations. Basically... Um, they have two great benefits. They allow us to make predictions about the future events, and um, basically, they are uh, always disprovable. So they they allow us to make hypotheses, make predictions. That's basically the idea of experimentation. The idea of innovation comes from this thesis antithesis synthesis. And having that thesis, having that hypothesis, is vital because your synthesis is then your new hypothesis. So. This, it's very interesting. So those two great benefits, again, they allow us to make predictions about future events and they're always disprovable. So there's they're never like fundamentally true. They're, they're always disprovable. And he goes into that in detail. And this basically makes science a constantly improving process and that's why i always recommend you know a lot of people that listen here at the modern academy are business minded you know entrepreneurial minded looking to uh, increase their their not only personal life but their net worth and their hopefully monthly income you know cash flow is king and with this applying the scientific approach this methodology to business is very very powerful because the fact that you know science is a constantly improving process makes it evolve quicker. Now we've been a little stagnant with science, to be honest, in the past couple of years. Although there's little um innovations, people like uh, Eric Weinstein have really focused on this and have great insights. You know, he has his uh, particle relativity theory, or I can't remember the exact theory. It's like the portal theory, basically. And uh, he put it out on YouTube, and it was fascinating. You know, it was mind boggling. It was basically a life's work. And kind of inspired me to read this book, actually. He, he basically lays out all these different concepts and, and adds this different dimension into the universe that um that basically his hypothesis is that once we can tap into that, that will allow us to um, enter the portal. And um, one of the things that's interesting that he said on Joe Rogan is Joe was trying to understand it. Not a lot of people can understand the theory. I still don't fully understand it, but... He basically said, you know, what happens when we um, are able to manipulate the base code of reality? So, if you think about it like a video game, every everything electronic is basically coded. So, it's a series of ones and zeros. And it's so it's basically a binary code. In turn, it obviously gets more advanced and more advanced and more advanced as the interface grows. But fundamentally, that's, that's what computers are made on, the binary system. And with this... Um, with this... You can think of it as like if you could program a video game differently to go black and white or go where everybody speaks Chinese in the video game. Basically, what Eric is saying is once we can figure out how the base code of our reality, how will things change? And that's kind of what he's aiming at, which is very interesting and it's hard to understand. So back to Mr. Hawking in a brief history of time. So, again, this book was very mind taxing. I feel... Uh, I have expended all my glycogen today, you know, all my kind of brain energy. So anyways, in the 1600s, Newton proved the theory that all objects in the universe are in constant motion, disproving the previously held belief that um, an object's natural state was at rest. So, you know, before Newton's observation, before this theory... 1600s and before everybody believed that just an object there basically they believed things were static things were not growth and the interesting thing is this correlates with a book by carol s dweck you know if you're not into physics and this stuff's kind of boring you it's interesting because it correlates with our own lives you know people some people see the world as fixed so seeing their athletic abilities fixed seeing their um, iq is fixed seeing their eq is fixed seeing their musical ability is fixed, seeing all these different things is fixed, meaning they can't really change it, they just have kind of this victim mentality, and a lot of people blame this on like environmental determinism, meaning like, oh, it's the government's fault, you know, I couldn't do anything about it, or um, what's the other determinism, it's like, uh, like upbringing, basically, determinism, meaning that, um, oh, my parents did this, so that's why I am this way. That's just behavioral. I think it's behavioral determinism actually. And the interesting thing about that book is that it lays out this growth versus fixed mindset. And the people that have the growth mindset are the people that always do better in life because they realize that things are not fixed. Fundamentally, things are not fixed. And the interesting thing is that even, you know, comes down to in the 1600s when Newton proved this, you know, objects are not just innately at rest as most people believe them. I mean, people today still don't believe this. People today still don't understand this fully. And, um... Basically, he proved that um, the universe is in constant motion, and basically the natural state of anything is never at rest. It's always moving. Everything's constantly moving. The universe is constantly expanding. And... To describe how objects in the universe moved, he developed three laws. And these are basically Newton's um, you know first law, second law, and third law. The third law is focused on gravity. The first two are more in motion. So the, these first two you're probably um, familiar with. Most likely you're familiar with the third one as well. You know, Most science classes in um, public and private school both teach these principles. So first of all, all objects... Whew, Will continue moving in a straight line if not acted upon by another force. So basically, an object most in stage of motion. That's essentially what that one is. And then number two, an object will speed up to a rate proportional to the force acting on it. An object will speed up in um, at a rate proportional to the force acting on it. So if If, um, for example, like if a car has a crappy engine, it will speed up at the rate proportional to that crappy engine. But if a car has like a supercharged engine, it'll speed up at a rate proportionate to that. That's just an example. Um, And then uh, all bodies in the universe attract other bodies with a force proportional to the mass of each object. And this is gravity. This is kind of his theory of gravity. And the interesting thing with this is uh, one of the fallacies in Newton's observation, which makes sense because he was in the 1600s, obviously didn't know everything. That's the whole point of theories. So that's why I kind of laid out that framework that theories are changeable, theories are adaptable, and they can always be disproven. It's, it's very important to understand that. And the speed of light is constant, not relative, That was the biggest hole in Newton's theory. And Einstein actually brought that about with his theory of relativity, which we'll get into. So now that we know that the speed of light is constant, not relative, this exposed a hole in Newton's theory. Basically asking the question, how can the speed of something be constant regardless of the state of the observer? So this is where the theory of relativity comes in. Theory of relativity states... Time is not fixed. Time is relative and unique to each observer's perspective. Example, the twins paradox. So that's a whole nother thing we could get into. That's on page 20 to 34. If you have this book, um, now we'll go into quantum state. So all matter is made up of particles like um, photons and electrons. The uncertainty principle shows us that the more precisely you try to measure a position of a particular or a, of a particle, the more uncertain its speed becomes. The more exactly the speed is measured, the less certain the position becomes. This is very interesting. And because of this uncertainty principle, scientists look at quantum state instead. Basically, the, the way that I understand this is, um, you know, it's basically combining likely positions and speeds of a particle. So Everything is made up of particles. And what they're trying to say is, you know, if, if we can't measure particles, what are we doing? And, and if you can't precisely pinpoint a particle when it's on like a super um, zoomed in microscope, like scientific microscope, um, and, and these things are bouncing around, and because of that um, uncertainty principle, we realize that the more precisely you try to measure the position, the more uncertain the speed becomes. And uh, it basically, and then the more exactly the speed is measured, the less certain the position becomes. So it's kind of like you're scoping in on something and then it just moves out of the way. So what you want to do is understand kind of the box or the frame that it plays in. So that's what scientists do. They kind of have this general, um, you could call it like a radius, I guess, like the radius of where where that particle could potentially be. And they use that for measurement. And this is because, you know, things are not fixed. Again, things are constantly moving. The universe is constantly moving. An object in motion stays in motion. So, now, space time. I know this is kind of daunting for some of you, but this is basically condensing this whole book into a little 15-minute episode. So, I hope you're enjoying it. Basically, space time. You know, with this, we see the world in three dimensions. Height, width, and depth. There's a fourth dimension we cannot see which is time when combined with the other three dimensions we get space-time scientists use this to decide the events in the universe now this is all these things are insanely complicated i'm just laying out the framework of them just so you kind of get a better understanding about what this book a brief history of time by stephen hawking is about so stars need massive amounts of energy to create light when energy runs out, the star dies. And if it is large enough, if the mass is large enough, um, it will actually collapse into a singularity. And the singularity is like a tiny, tiny point, And then that turns into a black hole. And as we know, black holes literally suck things into it. So anything crossing it will most likely get sucked into it. And then the universal second law of dynamics states that entropy, the tendency towards greater disaster always increases. So this is very interesting as well. You know, if if you don't understand entropy, that's kind of one of the big issues. You know, you can't just, that's why you can't just remain the same. It's, just, entropy and inflation are actually interesting because inflation correlates with entropy in the financial world, just like your um, weight potentially um, correlates with entropy. Just like if you don't, um, you know, talk to someone, that relationship has entropy, things decay over time. And it's the same with all these different things. Happiness, you know, if, if you haven't tried to, if you haven't focused on happiness, In the past five years well entropy kicks in things decay over time basically entropy states the disorder of a closed system tends to increase with time so that's inflation you know money you can't just basically entropy states that you can't just remain stagnant if you see things in the fixed version or like if you just always want to stay the same and not grow not learn not understand new things not go to new experiences not talk to new people not try new things try new food try new Um, civilizations no ways of living well entropy kicks in you know the disorder of a closed system tends to increase with time and time moves forward this is very interesting so the times arrow always moves forward and this kind of plays in with entropy so time moves forward on these three different arrows thermodynamically cosmologically and physiologically we're almost done here so Lastly, you know, most people just only understand gravity is like the main fundamental force in the universe, but it is not the only one. You know, there's actually three main fundamental forces that are very, very important that lead to something called the grand unification to energy. So you have electromagnetic force, you have weak nuclear force, and then you have strong nuclear force. And these are all, um, you know, playing out in the universe. And these are all, along with gravity, important um, fundamental frameworks you must understand. So Grand Unification um, energy is also uh, a very interesting concept that's for another talk you know that could be another 15 minute episode but thank you very much if you've made it this far I know this is kind of a I guess cognitive loading if you will but it's a very interesting book and I think a good way of understanding books like these is listening to podcasts like this listening to little um, clips you know that's why we do little 5 10 and 15 minute episodes each day on different topics And again, this has been A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe. And until next time.